I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say, the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports with, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 92, recording on February 1st, 2023, we talk about NFL conference championships. We talk about Tom Brady retiring again. We talk about the head coach carousel in the NFL and a newly minted offensive coordinator carousel in the NFL. All right, let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who should have told me to stick to my gut with my conference championships picks, Tim Reinhart. Welcome, Tim. Yeah, I um, guess, guess we didn't do too well again. <laughs> no, <laughs> we we gotta we gotta get it back in the Super Bowl. Uh boy. Well, now that line has has moved quite a bit. Seen some action already. Seems like the people <clears throat> the people are riding riding the wave of the Eagles, right? Yeah, I mean it. it the it seemed like the books opened it about two and a half uh, minus two and a half Kansas City. It's gone over to to. Um, to Philadelphia, yeah, great. To two and a half, and now it's coming back down. So I, I think it's just going to be a roller coaster, probably mostly on the Chiefs' injuries. I think sure. is what people are, well, are focused on, and rightfully so. The Travis Kelsey thing was weird. They the day of the game, they said, "Oh, well, you know, he might not play," and then he ends up playing and it's fine. It, it looked fine. Um, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes clearly uh, limping around. So um, yeah, I think you're right. That'll move as as uh, more information comes out. So um, right. it'll be interesting gamesmanship to pay attention to as well. Uh, what, what the teams will be saying if, if any, or what Kansas city will be saying, if anything at all about these injuries. Yeah. And I'm not sure in super bowl week or two weeks, how many practice reports they actually put out. So how many actual practices right. they get. They certainly, you know, they're in like media sessions and media day and all that stuff. Oh, can't the wait for of, media day. But, uh, <laughs> favorite, your favorite day of the Love year. Media, media day. day. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk quickly about the games yes, let's, um, that let's just happened. Review them a little bit. I mean, the Eagles 49ers game, there's not a lot to say here. I don't know. Um, just without a quarterback, uh, you can't win. Uh, a playoff game. Um, well, yeah, you need to you need to be able to throw <clears throat> throw a forward pass. Um, throwing a forward pass is a requirement which, for winning uh, in the NFL these days, which yep. they didn't do for mu- much of the uh, second half. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. I mean, some tough luck. You, I don't know what you're supposed to do when both your quarterbacks get hurt and 
I know people are saying, oh, what do you think about the, the thing that people are saying that there should be a dressed emergency quarterback for teams in the playoffs? I think, I think the rule in general, in generally speaking, there's 53 guys on the roster, right? I think the rule that you have to make only 46 of those guys active every week is ridiculous. Like, I don't understand so the point of it, quite what, frankly. What's the point? Yeah, what, why Why 46 instead of 53? They're getting paid. Like, yeah, They're getting paid like, their game check, so it's not a not a financial issue. Like, what what does it hurt to have all 53 dressed? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think quarterback is the most important position on the team. Like, I think teams are making the decision like, well, the third quarterback's not going to play, so we only have 46 active, so I'd rather have a special teams linebacker who plays, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, it's obviously not the same league, but, like, you see a lot of it in college. Like, the the third-string quarterback is out there, you know, gunning on punts and, you know, like, there you could do that, but still, go back to the original point, like, why not dress all 53? Yeah, it, it doesn't make it that that part never made any sense to me and still doesn't. And I know that they had um, previously had a rule where your third quarterback doesn't even count against your 46. Right. You had a special 47th player. Yeah. As long as he's a third quarterback. Right. And that seems fine to me, too. Like, I think it's the NFL wants to make a good product. Right that people will enjoy. And I don't think they had a good product when they didn't have a quarterback. This, right? this, so, um, this weekend was a bad weekend for the NFL all the way around. I think. Yeah. Not the product did not shine through. I don't think. Um, and, and I think we're going to highlight tonight. A lot of the things that the NFL does are rooted in very little logic. What's like what other sport? Do you not dress all players? Is that I don't I don't actually don't know. Like I just assume that everybody's dressed in hockey, everybody's dressed in baseball, everybody's dressed yeah. in you know in basketball. So, so hockey actually has an interesting rule, which is that it's called the the e bug. Have you heard of this? No. Is that the emergency goalie? Yes. Yeah, so um, each team can dress two goalies, right? Starter and your backup. Yeah. If if your starter and your backup get hurt, then you are allowed to dress the emergency backup goalie who is a guy in the stands, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It is a regular guy who the home team pays to go to the game. They can't drink, right? That's the one one thing they, they eat the buffet and, and, but if a goalie gets hurt, then they have to dress and get down on the bench as a backup goalie. And there's a few times where it's an accountant or a guy who played semi-pro hockey or whatever. Uh, And there's a few times where they've gotten into the game and there's actually ESPN daily podcast about it, which is like amazing because the stories of these guys and you could just kind of live through their um, experience of just enjoying the heck out of it where they're just like, Okay, like I'm, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go play. It famously <laughs> happened a couple years ago, and the guy saved a bunch of. He helped. Yeah, he had won a win. the game. You got to win. Yeah, and they won the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that they should do that, but I think whatever they can do, 
And I mean, they could make what it, it doesn't hurt anything to have an extra quarterback like, there. I don't know. Right? If- it could be, it could be, you know, just a guy that throws the ball around and, you know, coaches right. up. You know, coaches up the start. I mean, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, but he was there. Like, let's assume he was healthy. He should have been dressed. He should be able to dress. It makes right. no. There's no. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the logic on this one, and I I haven't yet heard it. There's there's no logic. I mean, you know, but if they had three quarterbacks and they could have dressed three quarterbacks since Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, they could have had somebody on their roster for ten weeks who's learning the thing. And I, I don't know if the games, the game would have been different, uh, you know, who won or lost, but at least it would have been a more enjoyable. I mean, it was, it was 21 seven late into the second half, right? Like midway through the third quarter. So like it's a two touchdown yeah. game. It's not, a, not a, if it ended that way, we'd probably consider it a close to a blowout, but like you're still a touchdown away from being back in it. And they couldn't throw, they couldn't throw a pass. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Josh Johnson who, you know, 20, 20 different NF, uh, 20 different football franchises he's been on and, you know, been around forever. You know, a lot, everybody likes him. I liked him back when he was, you know, a young quarterback. I thought he was a great kind of, uh, bridge quarterback. Um, but, uh, you know, got his first chance and just, you know, KO'd. So, um, that was really unfortunate. So I don't know if we learned a lot from there. It was kind of a, um, a strange game. Um, so, uh, that one is kind of just, okay. Like it happened. Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles won. Eagles won. And, you know, yeah. Credit to the Eagles. Like they, you know, San Francisco defense was still very tough and they played well against them. They struggled, but I mean, it's a San Francisco defense. So they played well enough against them. Their running game, I think did a really good job against the San Francisco defense of kind of slowing them down. Um, you saw uh, Nick Bosa, 50-50 shot. Nick Bosa yep. uh, did a good it's job Nick. of playing playing the uh, the, re, the run pass option, but when they went away from him, it was really um, devastating, I think, when he was just kind of left alone unblocked and they just ran the other way. Um, they had a lot of success. So mm-hmm. that was something to take out of it. Uh, obviously, the Eagles, you know, stayed with the run and didn't uh, didn't test Jalen Hurts too much. Right. And they, the other it, question I think once they realized what was going on on the other sideline, they didn't have to. And so their offensive numbers do not look that stellar. 269 yards, 3.8 yards per play. Um, but they definitely took their foot off the gas. Yep. Um, when they realized that the other team didn't have a quarterback. Right. Yeah. The other team probably couldn't score. Um, so that's that one. I mean, now, you know, uh, I think we pretty much covered yep. it. So the next game, uh, Kansas City beat uh, Cincinnati on a last second field goal here. Tim, I know you had a lot of opinions on this yeah. one. And, it, and, and thoughts. It, it starts in the previous game. So yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. So I, I want to off the top. The NFL is not rigged. I don't believe that. Two, the Bengals lost for a number of reasons. They lost because their punter kicked the ball right in the middle of the field instead of kicking it out of bounds or outside the numbers. Or because they had second and three on their last, last drive or second to last drive in plus territory, and they threw two passes that went 20 yards down the field. Like... 
get the first down. Um, so they lost for, for those kinds of reasons. Um, so I don't know what happens in, in an alternative universe. What I do know is that the NFL, I believe, is dangerously close to a crisis in confidence. And they're one angry congressman away from hearings. I, I mean that for real. Sports betting is a billion-dollar industry now. And if they don't clean up the, the referees, some, somebody's going to get angry and some... You know, some congressman from Cincinnati is going to say we need to hold hearings. And then if that happens, they're going to have to open their books and we're going to see all the emails and all the stupid stuff they say to each other and all like they, it's going to get, I, I really think we're, my, you can't see my fingers. We are this close. Think about all the things that happened like this weekend, the, why are there are different rules for different games, and there are different rules for different plays within those games. The 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 pass at the beginning of the of the Eagles game, how yep. is that not overturned? It, it is astounding. So in one instance, we have to rush to the line, and the other coach is waiting for in his headset. Like I don't know what I should do. Should I challenge? Should I not? It's first quarter. Um, by the way, when in doubt call the timeout and exactly. just challenge. So that's another mistake that, that they made, but like, how come, where's the expedited review? But we, we do that. Did that on other plays in other, um, it, it happened in the chiefs game. There was an expedited, where's the expedited review at, or the, the after field discussion. We like, where was that? It was easy yeah, so- enough to figure out. And they hid like the networks even got involved. They hid behind the, Oh, we didn't have this camera angle. Like, no, come on. Like, th- then, of course, they cut to, like, the control booth, and there were these three dudes sitting there from, you know, from Fox that have 75 TV. They had the camera angle. Like, why is it so hard in this day and age to not get replay right? I'm not saying do what college does, which is stop the game every 10 seconds and have the referee run over to a little TV, but there's got to be a sky cam or a sky judge or a sky whatever that's like, uh, guys, this is wrong. Fix it. Right. And let me, let's talk about that one real quick. Cause I'm glad you talked about it. Cause we first learned about expedited reviews in this playoffs. We'd never, nobody. I think they started I, last year, like randomly. I remember. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. But it, yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like, but everybody was like, what? Like what it didn't even know it was a thing. And so apparently again, very NFL, like make a thing. Nobody knows about. You can't do, they don't do expedited reviews if you're hurrying, like hurrying to the line. So like a hurry up situation or, you know, they were going no huddle. Um, so that's a rule that exists and it is that way for who knows what reason. Um, so I, again, arbitrary rules that, that don't really make any sense. I mean, I think it goes back to what you said about Kyle Shanahan is like, if you see the guy running to the line, call time out. Like, that should, that should, that should be a hint to you that he doesn't think that he caught it. <laughs> if he's like, run, 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 do the play real quick. It's fourth and six or whatever. Like, so if you get it right, you get the ball, call the timeout. Like get the yeah, expedited at, at the very least, call you know? the timeout 
that and give you give yourself a commercial break to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a big mistake by. Um, but I guess, like my my point there, but, is, why yeah. why is that even? Why do we even challenge things like this anymore? Yeah, like with it, it's a it really when you think about it, it's actually like kind of silly. You have two guesses that you have. It's like like we're playing a kids game, and meanwhile, yeah. like I, I'm being serious, like billion people are betting like across the world billions of dollars on these games, and they can't get simple things right so i don't understand the different rules for different games and different like that that makes no sense to me what can <clears throat> what can be reviewed what can't then go to the go to the um the which which sequence would you like to talk about in the in the bengal's game first the the final penalty the the five downs they got um I, I, well, let's let's save the the final penalty for the okay. end then. So, the the third and eight. You're asking me to believe something that my eyes are telling me did not happen, which is that the referee, who will come back in this story later, the back judge um, on the top side of the field. Um came in and blew the play dead. That was the explanation. The play was blown dead. It was not. The play started, and he ran in blowing the whistle after the ball was snapped. You want to stop the play before because the clock error, which, by the way, that should never happen in a, in a, in a playoff game like this. That, that, that's absolutely unacceptable. But don't tell me that guy blew the whistle bef- and waved his arms before the ball was snapped because it didn't happen. So at that point, once the ball snapped, you have to let the play go. You cannot blow that play dead. So now it's fourth and whatever. They're supposed to punt. It doesn't happen. It comes back. It's third and eight again. And no one knew what was going on. Um, then I, I, can't, I, I feel like there was like another goof that I'm forgetting. But then the next play, that's... The, the pass interference gives them, or the defensive holding, whatever it was, gives them the first down. And that was, that's one of those where you have to, as an official, read the room. There's a bit of a ticky-tack call, and you have to realize that you just gave the Chiefs another chance. That flag's got to stay in the pocket. And at least the ball didn't lie because um, I think they ended up getting... Uh, going three and out after they got the first down and punted the ball. But that's also yep. probably a minute's worth of time in the game. So I don't understand how those things can happen. And especially when we are sitting there watching the game and they show the replay and they show the ball snapped and then they show the whistle being blown. You can't make stuff up. And that's what they did in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think I've never seen that before. That was a huge huge like refereeing mistake you know winding the clock when they shouldn't have and then uh you know blowing the play dead after it started um i don't i don't have any explanation for that one i think that one was just like they screwed it up like twice in in you know very quick fashion and then they couldn't clean it up until after you know the play had already right you know been going and so I think 
yeah, I mean, they had two options there, which is like just let the time run off the clock or start it back over and do a do over. Um, neither of those are really good options, but I'm glad that for everyone's sake that that drive ended in a punt right. either way. So the butterfly effect there wasn't too, so too huge. bad. Yeah. Well, let's talk about punts. What's roughing the punter and what's running into the kicker? What's the difference? Because that happened too. There was a, what I understand the rule, and I know that whoever the Gene Steratore guy came on was like, no, it's roughing the, it, that's, that's the 15-yard version. I, the, the Chiefs were kicking, got ran into. It was not contact to, content, uh, contact to the plant leg, which is what I understand to be roughing the kicker. Um, and instead, they got a fit, which would have made it fourth and one. Instead, they got a 15 yard penalty, and I think they scored on that drive. So that did have, um, yeah. a, a butterfly effect, um, or like, uh, you know, had, had an impact on the game. I, I just think that there's too much, um, leeway that leaves things to officials' discretions. Like what's a catch, what's not a catch. I mean, to go go two weeks ago to Jamar Chase in the end zone. Yeah. Like yeah. the and this is what I mean when I say like I, I'm not saying that the NFL is rigged. I don't I don't think the NFL has any interest in the Chiefs being in the champion like over over, you know, Joe Burrow, who's like the biggest rock star in the NFL right now. Like I I don't think that that's that's the case, but I, I do think they have its it's sloppy and the fact that there's so much money on the line and that the government is allowing that much money to be on the line. This is, we're not talking about like you, you bet money through a bookie in the, you know, in the Cayman islands here, we're talking about like legalized sports gambling that the government effectively, you know, sponsors. We're talking about a league that for all intents and purposes is a quasi public institution or, or the teams are quasi public uh, entities. So if if this doesn't get cleaned up, it does bring the integrity of the league into question, not because somebody's paying off officials or um, the, the league is fixed or anything. It It's the integrity, meaning it's not it's on any given play. Anything can happen, it, meaning uh, from the referee standpoint, and that's not how it should be. Like referees did play a role in determining the outcome of that game. They didn't make it. So the chief, I mean, look, the, the Bengals had two cracks at it uh, in the final five minutes and they, they didn't do it. So like that, that's their problem. Um, there, there was the uh, referees did have an impact in that game more than they should have. So if you take it and go to the last play, so, or the, the hit out of bounds, would you have termed that to be an egregious um, late hit? I mean, depends on your definition of egregious. I think I'm, I, 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 would I think s- they call that every time. I think that gets called every time. So like, here's my problem: he was with that. contacted outside, you know, in, on the white, and they went flying that into the maybe bench. maybe for most quarterbacks, certainly not all. I've seen far far greater late hits not called. I can recall a Garrett Wilson way further out of bounds popped by what I believe was a Patriots um, 
a Patriots uh, defensive back and to no call. So I, it, maybe it gets called with quarterback. I he I did not think he was hit especially hard. He I he was a- absolutely out of bounds. It was a two handed shove rather than a hit. So my question is, if it, I would term the egregious, you get popped. Now, we swallow the whistle on everything else, but that, that, that's where my problem lies. There's a, and I don't want to go relitigate every play. I'm not trying to do that. There was an offensive holding penalty right in front of the official. Didn't get called, um, which is fine. There's a pass interference on a Hail Mary. Doesn't get called. It, it's fine, nor should it. Um, who called that penalty? How about that? You notice that? This is this is another problem. It was the official from way down the line. It was not. So every time the quarterback leaves the pocket, the referee, it's his job to follow him. Every time there's a late hit, it's the referee, the head ref, that throws that flag on the quarterback. That flag came from all the way in the back. So the ref, whose job it is to follow the quarterback and determine that, did not call it and was not going to call it because his flag never came out. Now, I'm, I, at that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, they're going to get together and call this off because that, that has to be the call of the referee, um, not, the, not the back judge. But they did. That's, again, like, what are we... We're, we're allowing the official who's 20 yards down the field to make the call. That, that's the equivalent of the second base umpire overruling a call at first base. And that's what happened. So to me, the, these are things that the NFL needs to figure out and needs to figure out fast. Because more and more states are going to legalize sports gambling. And, and I really do mean it. All it's going to take is one congressman with, a, with an agenda. Um, to open this whole can of worms up and investigate the NFL for its officiating. So I, I guess that's my that that's the end of my rant. Uh, but I don't. That's just I, I think they they're they're one big one more big. <clears throat> if this happens again in the uh, in the Super Bowl, I I think I think we're in trouble. So so let me. I have a, I have a few. Yeah, I responses. went for like 10 minutes. Feel free to cut That's that fine. down and edit it. That's fine. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. I'm not going to cut any of it. Uh, so let me let me start with the the penalty because I think it's a penalty. And I, I, I think on a, the fact that it is is a quarterback and a star quarterback is baked into it. I think they call it every time. I think the 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 contact doesn't matter as much as the result. Like when two guys are running full speed and it's a shove versus a, a pop, like it's dangerous when it's on the sidelines, they went flying into the, you know, into the benches and some random guy got like basically chopped in half. So like, I think that's a penalty. Like, I don't, I don't think I don't have any problem with them calling a penalty there. Um, I think the, the problems are again with, with the way that, uh, the NFL does things and makes their rulings. So, or especially around referees. So first, first of all, uh, the refs in the playoffs 
are a all-star team as they tell us mm-hmm. right but not the teams that have worked together the whole year yeah. it's like the like you know uh carl sheffers i think that was a referee uh, doesn't know his back judge from you know i don't from know working with him for 18 judge, games judge judy yeah right you know maybe he's seen him before maybe he's met him at refereeing conferences i don't know but like when you have a refereeing team that's worked together for 18 weeks, I feel like you, you know, better like, Oh, what they look at, you know, their tendencies, you can get together and, and communicate a little bit better with the all-star team. It just makes no sense. It's like, it's not as simple as baseball where you're in charge of ball strikes. You're in charge of everything that happens at first base. Everything happens everywhere on the field. Right. Kind of like, you know, the NBA stuff happens at every part of the floor. You can't just divide it up that easily like you can with baseball, right? <clears throat> baseball is, is very straightforward. Like the second base coat um, ump is not calling out at first base. Right. So I think there's that all-star functionality of it, which I think is, is a bad idea. Secondly, uh, the, the refs are not full-time professional employees. They are for the most part, part-time. Right. Mm. And then they, do other jobs um, outside of the NFL season. Why are they not professional? The the coaches are professional. The announcers are professional. The players are professional. But the referees who, who, who judge over the whole thing are not. They're going back to their accounting firm in, in the summer, right? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like if, if they need to pay the referees to do nothing but football, everybody else does it but they don't want to pay the referees to do it. I know that they've made some of them full-time, but the back judges, the line judges, all of them should be official NFL employees that do nothing but referee stuff Mm -hmm. all year. Right. Like the fact that they are not, doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Like, uh, you know, what's his name on CBS, uh, would do college basketball games. Right. Like he doesn't need to be doing that. He should be doing NFL all the time. So let's, let's, you know, that's the thing on the referees. Like NFL is not setting them up to win. Well, secondly, oh, go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, no, I was no, no, going to no. say the other no, thing that they don't that do is they don't, they don't answer questions afterwards. This is just the pool reporting. So yeah. one thing, like another sport, but an analogy, remember in 2013, the world series that <clears throat> Cardinals Red Sox. And there was that weird play at third base where, uh, Will Middlebrooks like tripped, um, Alan Craig, I think it was running home and, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Joyce called interference, um, or obstruction. And, um, and even though Craig was thrown out of the plate, he was declared safe. Um, after that, Jim Joyce, Joe Torrey, the, you know, vice president of baseball opera or whatever, the guy in charge of the officials. And I think the home plate umpire all went out and answered questions. And that was Tory saying, we have to go explain to the people what happened. Um, and that that doesn't happen regularly. Right. Like that that was an example yep. of, of it, a time when it was done right. That needed to happen. And that needs to happen more. Yep, I agree. So. Like because then then the people, the consumers of your product will understand, you know, what's going on, right? They have a pool report that turns into a PDF that some people tweet out that nobody really sees, right? I think I understand the like need for like safety. I think that 
that could be like a concern, you know, of the referees if they are more publicly like obvious, right, in interviews and stuff. But I think there's more that they can do rather than just have one person transcribe like a statement, mm-hmm. right, that that could have been produced by anybody in PR. So I, 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 I agree with you on that point. I think the transparent, again, like same thing, like why is expedited review? No transparency there, right? So I, I think the, the other point that I wanted to make about this is that the NFL's rules are too technical and detailed and for real-time evaluation by referees, right? The, just look at the catch rule, right? It's the rule and, or the, you know, even the kicker one is, is a, a simpler one, right? I just looked it up on the NFL site and it's, it, you know, there's seven bullet points of things that's not roughing the kicker two items that are roughing the kicker, two items that are running into the kicker. So, you know, it's nine, 11, 12 bullet points, right. Of one of one penalty, right. Like, so I think they are the NFL's response to any problem with penalties and stuff like that is to make them, they think by adding to it makes it more clear. It's like the lawyer's approach, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just add a subsection B, you know, C, D, E, F, right? Then it'll be clear what the penalty is, right? So the, the and the proliferation of the uh, referee uh, person in the booth yeah. should be an indictment of the NFL's rules. The, the announcers are paid full-time to think about the NFL, express what's happening to the fans, and they cannot explain the rules, so they have to have a special person in the booth that explains the rules because the people that talk about it all the time are not able to, one, understand it, I don't know, or two, explain it to everybody. So, like, I think the fact that the the uh, the people that they have in the booth uh, you know, I think it started with Fox, but everybody has them now Yeah, is like an indictment of the NFL's rules. Like they have to go to those guys so many times in a game that now they're in the booth. They're just sitting there. Like, just like they shouldn't have those guys because Troy Aikman, God bless him, should be able to tell us <laughs> what's happening and explain the rules to us. He played in the right? NFL. He should be able to do it. Yes. But even if he didn't play in the NFL, his job is to read the rules and interpret what's happening on the field and explain it to us. Like if he gets paid to do that, he should be able to understand it. And the fact that he can't nothing against him because I don't understand it. You don't understand it. Nobody understands it except for the three guys that used to be referees who have to be in the booth because otherwise we won't understand. Right. I think that that is my big problem that I have with it is that go back to the Jamar chase thing. And like, I think if you, by the letter of the rule, slow motion, seven super zoom cameras, you looked at that and you said, okay, that's not a catch by the rules. But if you watched it, you didn't know the rules and you asked somebody, did he catch that ball? 
who's who's would say no he caught it like it was in his arms he fell down it was still in his arms like i i, I guess you know i think there's a maybe this is a, a legal thing but would a reasonable person think that that was a catch that's one yes. of those things like 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 i'm saying too often in the nfl is you're asking me to believe something that my eyes didn't see yeah and that that like yeah. is the definition of of crazy yep yep um yep absolutely it's also interesting these guys that you're talking about that are in the booth like uh they're getting paid full time yeah and they they're, they probably are getting paid more and they're absolutely. probably the best officials they're like i don't got to go sit in green bay in january i can sit in the booth and right. comment on this game cool i'll do that right. like so here there's like a you're taking away the best officials um and putting them in the booth meanwhile you're left with like you said a team of officials that's never worked together right it doesn't that that part makes no sense so i think you know um the rules are ridiculous and only getting more ridiculous i think they're making them and the proliferation of i mean i'm anti uh replay so the proliferation of replay and slow-mo has made the referee's life more difficult but i think it has made the sport less enjoyable you know because it's like okay i saw something it looked pretty good but let's go to a commercial and then slow it down 300 times and find out what really happened you know like that's not that reminds me of like in baseball when replay came to baseball and somebody slid into second and they did a pop-up slide and they slid off the base a millimeter while the person had their glove on them. So they're out, right? Cause they weren't touching the yeah. base, but like, that doesn't make sense to me by the rule you're off the base, but you're off the base a millimeter for a quarter of a second. Right. But replay tells me you're off the base. And so you're off the base. And I think putting that fine point on every single thing, the, makes it worse. Yeah, the un- unintended you know? consequences. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely. Now, do you think it's at a level like uh, of? I I think they're they're at. Um, they've reached the crisis already. They're not at like they the crisis was passed. So, uh, do do you see it as as that um, serious of an issue? Like a two, to think, the point where we could be dealing with a crisis in confidence. I think, yes, there is a crisis in confidence, but I don't think it's going to hurt them in the short term. And I think that's why they have missed it. Because I don't think it's going to turn enough people off to stop watching, if that makes sense. I, pe- yeah, I mean, that's the, right. That's the, that's the thing is people keep watching. I, I, I really, I, I know I've said it a couple times already, like I really think that it won't be us it will be a congressman with an agenda that demand or so you know a, a lawsuit i don't know something right i mean you almost saw that with you saw that with the snyder um lawsuit right there was so much stuff that spiraled out of that including john gruden right getting getting his emails leaked and getting fired right so i think there is just one little in right it there was almost an in for uh st louis suing the rams right they got discovery on like four teams and instantly they settled right so right i guess for for guys that 
for a group of owners that clearly want nothing to do with their inner workings getting out, they sure are cavalier about their the way their games are officiated. It's almost yeah, hubris. I, yeah, and and I think yeah, there's they solve the things they they the way they solve the problems is just to layer another thing on top, and it's mostly arbitrary, just like we've talked about before. All right. And it, it's just a mess. So let me and I, one more point, and then we'll move on. Yeah, this, we've been on this for a while, but I, I do like a, a good replay rant. Um, I think we saw in both games. I think objectively, the advantage, the refereeing advantage, went to the home team. Would you agree with that? Um. Yeah. Yes. So in the Eagles game, obviously the Devonta Smith one, uh, the Eagles did hit the wire with a punt and nobody, none of the referees seemed to notice right. um, the wire hit. And again, we have wires over the field. I don't know what the rule is about a wire hit. I don't it's know. a repunt. It, right. It, I, I guess. Right. So, uh, you know, they didn't notice that. So that wasn't redone. Um, but other than that, I think it, it tilted a little bit towards yeah um, i don't remember too many things while watching that game that i found right. to be super objectionable right other than the, the devonta smith thing was a miss but you know i think again real time looked like a catch right i don't you know i i, I don't uh, begrudge them for missing that on the run mm-hmm. but um so the the and the kansas city game i think was you know the calls went in kansas city so sure. i don't think anybody uh Begrudges that. So, to me, what we've seen is that home field advantage manifests, for the most part, through referee decisions. Right? It's not necessarily false starts, or it's not, um, you know, a team plays better at home because they're sleeping in their own bed, or anything like that. Yeah. Right? I think what we've seen, and we saw this in 2020 when there was no fans, is that home field advantage disappeared. Right? It's not about. Uh, beds or your backboard or your the grass on your field it's it's about referees being human beings and being uh you know not on purpose but you know subconsciously uh afraid is not the right word but subconsciously playing to the frothy crowd around them right 70 80,000 people or if you're in basketball, you know, 20,000 people, but they're right on top of you. Right. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I think a team plays all year to get that number one seed, to get that home field advantage in the conference championship game. And, you know, that manifests itself in friendly decisions by the referee. So yeah. I think that's, that's a well-known fact. And I think we, we kind of saw it in these games right. for sure. All right. Woo. Did we talk? Yeah. So Kansas City moves on. Yes. <laughs> to, we'll talk about the Super Bowl uh, next yeah. week. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. So let's um, let's do some other topics. We've got. Oh, you know what? We you know we we left this until like forty minutes in, but Tom Brady retired. Yeah. This morning. Uh, this time he says for good. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. The villain, you know, has fallen over the ledge again, and you know I'm not going to throw a party and turn my back to the ledge while he climbs up back over again. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we gave him a, uh, you know, a eulogy last year. So I'm not going to really do that again. But, 
you know, I don't begrudge anybody for t- saying he's the best quarterback of all time. And I mean, certainly the longevity and the accomplishments and he's 30,000 yards ahead of Aaron Rodgers in the all time yard mark in the regular season. So like a lot of his stuff that he has career wise, never going to be touched again. It's like a, you know, uh, a 700 home run situation. The active guys are like way behind mm-hmm. him. Um, so I, I don't know if you had anything. Yeah, I, I do Brady's think it's retirement part two. I guess I do think it's for real this time. We we did do the uh, we all spoke highly of him a year ago. So go go replay that episode if you want. Um, you know, he uh, I do think it's it's different this time. The 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 Tom Brady we saw didn't seem like the same Tom Brady of the year before and, and so on and so forth. Uh, whether it was personal stuff or just, you know, um, not, not a great team, whatever it was, uh, you know, like going to Robert Kraft's wedding. So I don't, uh, and then, and then flying in and, you know, not with the team and playing, he basically, you know, it seemed like he had his own sort of set of rules. Um, and yeah, so I think time to move on. He's got his money waiting for him in the TV deal. He can keep selling his TB12 stuff, and you know he's he's not going any, he's not going away. Um, so I think um, I think it is for real this time. It would take a very special circumstance uh, to to get him out to play one more time. I think. Yeah, and I kind of kind of feel I don't know I I feel bad for him a little bit. Um, Please don't. after all of the personal, oh. personal business last year yeah, that he went through to come back, you know, to have kind of a mediocre season. Obviously he made the playoffs and amongst quarterbacks that have hung on too long, like Favre or Manning or whatever we've seen, you know, he, he didn't show that decre- decreased, uh, skill that some of the other quarterbacks that held on too long did. He certainly um, was less, but you could still see it there, if that makes any sense. Like, it wasn't so bad that it was kind of embarrassing to watch. And I don't think he wants to get get to that place. Yes. So this, this to me, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's 45 years old, for God's sakes. Um, So we will see him, I guess, Right, Fox signed him on the deal. Fox to yeah. be in his booth. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the other other things that are going on in the NFL here, the uh, coach carousel. Uh, so a bunch of coaches have uh, found new jobs. So I'm going to go through them one by one, Tim, and you can give any any thoughts that you have on them. Yeah. So Frank Frank Wright, uh, formerly of Indianapolis. Uh, becomes a head coach in Carolina there. One of the, the job that I thought was probably the top job <laughs> um, uh, and maybe the top coach um, there as well. Yeah. Same, same situation as he was in, in Indianapolis. He doesn't have a quarterback uh, and he'll probably have one to start this year and another one to start the next year. So, I, I mean, showed some team showed some fight so that's at the end of the season so that, that's uh that's positive maybe he maybe he'll be the guy that can get the finally get the most out of Sam Darnold um so I, I guess that that's something to look forward to but it, it is 
it is an interesting scenario that he's moving. He's back on a team, you know, and any, any coach that gets signed is probably getting signed to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Um, Right. So, or any team that has a new coach, that is. But uh, you know, he, I just find it interesting. He'll be playing the uh, playing the carousel game again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting division, especially now that Tom Brady is out of yep. it. Interesting in that I think Carolina could just win it <laughs> next year and go to the playoffs. So that that part of it seems um, interesting to me. And again, you know, I think they need to solve the quarterback position and um, it may be just like in Indianapolis, a year to year situation, right? Like Sam Sam Darnold is for this year. And then maybe they decide uh, somebody else for next year. I think they got got a good quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think Frank Reich is probably the guy who is going to take, I don't know, pick a, pick a mid round quarterback and, you know, have him back up Sam Darnold and be the guy in future years, you know, like he's a really good offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever went there uh, gets drafted in, in the mid rounds and becomes the guy like in future years. Yeah. All right. So next one is Demeco Ryan's San Francisco defensive coordinator uh, becomes the head coach in Houston where he used to play. Uh, there was some strangeness with the, the Denver opening. Seemed like they also wanted him. Depends on um, what insider you believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he does go to Houston, obviously, uh, by all accounts, a good coach, um, but doesn't get to take Nick Bosa and Fred Warner with him to Houston. So um, anybody is going to be challenged with that with that roster, but they are probably going to reset with a new quarterback with a, with a top two quarterback. Yep. Um, they're, they're probably getting Bryce young. Um, I, I would think, um, or Stroud, one of the two. And I guess we'll see how a defensive coach can develop a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, I think for you look at what Robert Sala is going through in New York, and he was able to build a stellar defense in a year, and they could not develop. Uh, they couldn't develop the first round talent. So, um, you know, these these jobs that go to the defensive coaches—that's the big big question, especially when you're when you're going to be drafting a new quarterback uh, with your prop with, with what's likely your, you know, your first round draft pick. So. Yep. Yep. And as we've seen the quarterback, having a quarterback <laughs> is the most important thing in the NFL, um, especially, you know, one on a rookie deal, even more so. So that, that will matter a lot where they go with that. Well, and look direction. at all the coaches that were in, uh, you know, in the playoffs and how many of them are offensive minded coaches that, that can work with and develop the quarterback. How many of them are defensive right. coaches? Yep, exactly. So. A lot of, a lot of offensive guys, not a lot of defensive yeah. coaches. Um, all right. So another, uh, an offensive guy and Sean Payton goes to Denver Four picks. They give a bunch of picks to uh, New Orleans for the right to sign him. So he basically got traded to to Denver. So Denver uh, does it again, giving up more picks for another guy. 
this time a coach, not a player. I guess. Will Denver is, have any picks this year? I mean, like, what? I, I, well, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Probably later round picks, uh, third, fourth. I mean, they. It, it's really about can John Payton get Russ back to where he was. Like, obviously, the the Hackett offense didn't work for Russ, or they didn't see eye to eye, or whatever. Yeah, it depends on what insider um, you believe. There actually is who's yeah. responsible for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's leaks both directions about. Yeah, who's there was you know stuff that came out in the last couple of weeks that Russell Wilson was absolutely refused to run the offense that Hackett uh, attempted to install, and then. Yeah, so who knows? Or that, what was it that, like, guys had to, they wanted, players, if they wanted to talk to Wilson, had to make an appointment through his assistant or something? Does he have a, did he have a Calendly or something? Yeah, um. so, and like, that he had an office, you know. And then a couple guys came out and was like, yeah, he has an office, but that's because he cares so much. Like, and right. Right, he's, yeah. he's there all the way, you know, late at night, like, working on, you know, so. It, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, by by all accounts, Russell Wilson is a strange, strange person, and it doesn't seem like the people who were playing on the team liked playing with him very much. Uh, Sean Payton is a good coach, won one Super Bowl, but with Drew Brees, um, obviously. So having that stellar Pro Bowl quarterback really helps, and it's just going to be to me. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens. What does their offense look like? Is everybody like singing the same tune, walking the same direction, not pulling against each other? That would yeah. be really interesting to me. Um, Arizona and Indianapolis still open. Uh, Arizona, they have a quarterback, but he just tore his ACL. Indy doesn't have much. And they'll probably has, yeah, be in the quarterback market, maybe trade up for one. They'll, they would be number one candidate that I would think of to trade up to number one with Chicago um, because they have a, a owner who is uh, very meddling uh, and certainly wants to uh, wants to see something happen now. So um, that one, that would be, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what they go with there. Yeah. Um, so a, a new, uh, entrance into the uh, carousel market is offensive coordinator carousel. So let's talk about the first one first. Um, And uh, the former Broncos coach, I'm forgetting his first name, Haskell uh, is now with the Jets. So Hackett, 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 Hackett. Hackett. Why did I say Haskell? I don't know. Um, I wrote down Haskell too. Um, (laughs) Hackett is now with the Nathaniel Jets. Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. Thank you. Uh, so I guess there's twofold here. I think people with this hire, just like when he was hired in, in, in Denver, assume that that means Aaron Rodgers is coming as well. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on that. And I want to get your thoughts on him, how you feel about him as an offensive coordinator, because you know, two years ago, he wasn't calling plays in Green Bay as their offensive coordinator, went to the head coach, and he obviously couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. So this job is, you know, a year later, two years later, a promotion, in my estimation, based on the fact that he is an offensive coordinator that will now call plays a promotion from where he was two years ago. 
Um, so I just guess I wanted to get your your thoughts on on Hackett. Okay, so I think that this means that the Jets' starting quarterback next year is either going to be um, Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers. And the reason I say that is because, and this is why it's a little different than than Denver just assuming that they could get Aaron Rodgers, is that Nathaniel Hackett could be he could spend he could do the the Cliff Kingsbury. He could go to Thailand and and hang out there and get paid for I think he was like a was it a five or a six year contract? Like he's getting paid. He has no incentive to take this job at all unless he knows that one of those guys is coming. So to me it indicates that because I, I, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is going to go to the New York market um, and is going to uh, when when he could be doing nothing and he's already sort of like on the you know he's the popular guy to to attack I don't think um, he takes the job without knowing who the quarterback's going to be so I, that's my take on it I don't know what do you what are your thoughts yeah I mean we still i we still don't know a lot about him right like we barely got to see his offense cuz him and Russ were fighting over it he called plays but they were you know you know how much was russell russ uh you know being an intermediary and just running his plays anyway and it didn't seem good either way so i think there's a lot of unknowns here i think sala and and Hackett were in the Jack at the Jaguars together, I think. Yeah, they're, for two they're years. connected. Yeah. So I think that connection makes them make sense. Um, I don't know if, you know, I, I was dreaming for you on Frank Reich being the offensive coordinator there, but obviously he was higher in demand. Um, so I think, I, I don't think it assumes that Aaron Rodgers goes there. Um, Derek Carr obviously still available. Uh, Tom Brady off the board now, so I I don't think it's completely obvious. Okay, uh, Aaron Rodgers has a big cap hit. They would have to make some cuts to make that work. So I I think Derek Carr is probably more reasonable. Um, Jimmy G might even be a little bit more um of an unknown with. Brock Purdy's UCL injury. Yeah. Are they going to, are, are, you know, he's going to, he has maybe Tommy John in his, in his future. So are right, San Francisco going to need Jimmy G to stick around again? Does he even want to stick around there? We don't know that. So that's, that's, that's how the quarterback and the offensive coordinator carousels kind of intersect yeah. there, you know? Well, the last thing I'll say about Hackett is um, he does, while he does have, you know, he didn't call the plays in green Bay on his resume. He does have, the uh, the one year with the Jaguars that he took Blake Bortles and made him a top five offense, uh, and they were a Tom Brady comeback away from being in the Super Bowl. So he called plays then. Um, so he he's shown it. He's there are flashes. Yeah, and I think you know before he was hired with Denver, obviously he was well liked around the NFL. I think he was a hot name. So. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think the Jets are certainly slumming it here. But um, again, another thing that's I'm going to find quite interesting to see how this works out. First 
what quarterback that they end up with and uh, then how it works out with, with the offense in general. Yeah. All right. So offensive coordinator carousel uh, number two, uh, Kellen Moria let go by Dallas. He was the play caller there and moves to the chargers to replace uh, some Lombardi guy. Um, yeah, I think this was the uh, we we were Michael. allowing each other to go our separate ways, kind of, yeah, um, kind of thing. And I think he lands in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, a great spot for an offensive coordinator with a very talented quarterback, uh, talented offense, uh, and nowhere to go but up. They were in a very frustrating offense to watch. A defensive coach, right? Um, one of the few defensive coaches in the playoffs. And so gets full kind of uh, overseeing of the offense there. I think I'm going to hope that they do more uh, downfield stuff and uh, more unleashing uh, Herbert than they did yeah. under Lombardi. So I, I think that one's a um, arrow pointing up for the Chargers yep. there. Um, Mike LaFleur, former uh, Jets offensive corner to the Rams. So he goes for Sean McVay, who's an offensive coach who I believe calls offensive plays. Right. So this one is maybe, you know, a little bit of a demotion for Mike LaFleur, uh, but I think a good spot. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good uh, reputation rehabilitation job. Yeah, and I think you learn from, uh, you know, Sean McVay there with Matthew Stafford, obviously. Those two guys are an example of a coach and quarterback on the same page, and I think that's, you know uh, – with a veteran quarterback and a coach that, you know, has been around and a coach who has seemed to be on the verge of retiring a few times. So you give yourself a pathway right there. Absolutely. Yeah. You could, you could just be the heir apparent there as well. So that for, for LaFleur, I think that's a good landing spot after game. I think that's the best place you could, you could have landed in that scenario. And uh, lastly, the the Patriots finally get an offensive coordinator. Their old friend Bill O'Brien yeah. uh, is is hired there. Bill Belichick cannot give up his old his old friends. Um, just like a uh, you know one of those movies or TV shows where the person keeps falling back with the old crowd, it's like Entourage. Like Andres, that's perfect. That's perfect. The Bill O'Brien is definitely um, he's the Johnny drama of uh... he's the Johnny drama. Absolutely, we're right on the same page. Bill Bill O'Brien is the Johnny drama of the uh, Bill Belichick entourage. Uh, So, oh man, that's so good. Uh, I guess it's good that they have an offensive coordinator now. That's actually the job. Um, Yeah, Bill O'Brien is. Probably fine at that job, I guess. A good, uh, decent, you know, re-entry to the NFL for him. I heard somebody say on the radio that they're frustrated that, like, you know, when when this happens, when when a team hires an offensive coordinator, they interview, if they're doing their, their due diligence, they interview 10, 12 candidates just to talk to them about their offense and, like, hear ideas, um, if only, if anything, to learn what is happening out in the league to prepare for it defensively. And the, the Patriots did none of that. (laughs) All right, Bill O'Brien, you're, you're our guy. Um, So obviously spent the last couple of years with Saban. He did not coach Mac Jones, uh, but I believe there is some familiarity there. Um, So uh, it's can't be worse than (laughs) Matt Patricia. (laughs) Yeah. So, 
Uh, but then again, Bill O'Brien, um, he did he call? I don't know if he called plays in Houston. Made the playoffs a couple times. Largely disappointed. Seems like his best offensive teams were Tom Brady led teams. So this will be a yep. big uh, prove it. You know, I can do it with uh, with a quarterback that isn't quite at star level. Yeah, I think the the main problem with Bill O'Brien in Houston was his general managing um, that he got himself into trouble trading away uh, Every, Hopkins yeah. for nothing, trading away you know picks for for players and in lopsided deals. Um, I don't know if it was his offense that was the problem, um, and obviously uh, Saban's offensive coordinator Brian Dable was Saban's offensive coordinator um, for a little bit, I believe. Yes. So you know, a pretty good track record for those guys. Bill O'Brien coming back around um, the Johnny drama always comes home. That's right. So, sure does. Um, all right. We've, we've talked a lot today, Tim, anything else we got going on? Uh, no, this is like the, the sort of quiet week in, in sports. So um, I, I'm not, not quite sure what I got my eye on. Maybe like a Netflix show. Who knows? Are you watching The Last of Us? Everybody's talking yeah, about everyone, this last everyone's last talking about it, but I'm at the point where I, I, I cannot I I don't want to do a um a weekly a weekly thing. I, I wanna be able to watch it, you know. Binge. Yeah, binge or just like at my leisure and not like like oh I have to wait, you know, a week for yeah. So uh I will wait for it to come out and or to be com- be done and then um and then uh then grab it when it's when all all episodes are out have you been watching i haven't but i will okay um i don't know if i'll be able to wait but i will um certainly watch it probably before it's finished but i'm gonna give it a few weeks um but makes sense other than that you know what i i don't think um in sports I don't know if there's anything. You know what? Let's uh, let's do this. Um, you know the tennis tour just wrapped up. NFL. Here we go. Okay. Um, one thing that I love about Super Bowl week is the ridiculous Super Bowl props. So what I'm going to do Ooh. is assign homework here to them. Okay. So um, next week we will talk about ridiculous Super Bowl props. So whether it's Rihanna's hair color or, you know, over two and a half uh, people throwing a pass. Uh, I want to go through so many of those. I love them. Yeah, you how are long a big is America the guy. Beautiful? How, how long is America the Beautiful going to be, right? Sung by Babyface. All right. So the homework for this week is keep your eyes glued to the Super Bowl props and find some good ones. And keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire. The podcast. We'll talk to you Sounds good. All right. Yeah, they're they're fun to just like see what's see what's out there. Like it's it's incredible. Uh, you know, from coin flips to uh, yeah, you know, what's the first song of halftime going to be? Like what people are willing to, uh, to gamble yeah, I mean- on. You have seen, you should have seen, you should see the uh, amount of thought that has gone into the Gatorade color, uh, the way, uh, you know, 
people have kept track of it every year and you know they know what color Kansas City had before. You know, are they speculating there's a bunch of veterans on the team that probably have the same thing? What about the Eagles when they want it? They still have a bunch of veterans, but they actually change it. Do they have the same strength and conditioning coach? Is that coach linked to the color? There's so much to it I find it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>